turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, he's taking us to some familiar verses in the book of Matthew. Now, for any of us who've been Christians for more than a year or two, we probably heard this passage numerous times because it's often recited at Christmas time. And I'll tell you, there's a danger. And the danger is this. Sometimes when we come across a familiar passage, at a subconscious level, we can turn off thinking and we can turn off listening. And unfortunately, that may happen more often around this time of year. Welcome to this outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and I do hope that for the next few minutes, you will listen very closely. If you'd like to know more information about Church of the Highlands, especially during this week and into next week, just go to the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. There are a number of activities happening at the church, and you'll want to know about them. That's highlands.us. And now on this Wednesday, here's Pastor Layton. Now, turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 1. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 1. If you want to know Jesus more and you want to know more about Jesus, the Gospels are the place to begin. There are four of them. They are found at the beginning of the New Testament. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them are biographical sketches of the life and ministry of Christ Jesus. Each has an emphasis Uh, Matthew emphasizes Jesus as king, and Mark emphasizes him as servant. Luke emphasizes him as the perfect son of man, and John emphasizes him as son of God. And we put the Gospels together, we have a composite picture of the person and the work of our Lord. Two of the four Gospels were written by apostles, that is, the twelve who were chosen by Jesus to accompany him on his earthly ministry. Matthew is one of them, John is the other one. Uh, Mark was written by a guy named John Mark. You'll recognize that name from the book of Acts. He was an associate to the apostle Peter. And Luke was also an associate of the apostle Paul. Luke gave us not only the gospel that bears his name, but also the book of Acts as well. So all of the uh, four gospels were written either by apostles or by their immediate associates. And everything about Christianity revolves around Christ, and we want to know Him more, and we want to know more about Him. That's why we've chosen to study the Gospel of Matthew. The first two chapters describes the Christmas story, and the timing seems appropriate. The first verse says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And that first verse is significant because if a reader, a Bible reader, was to go straight from the Old Testament, say Malachi, into Acts or Romans, they might be confused in trying to find the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the Gospel of Matthew is the perfect way to lead out of the Old Testament into the New Testament because he makes the historical links and connects those between the Testaments. The Old Testament is a book of promises the New Testament record book of fulfillments. In fact, the word fulfillment is one of the key words in understanding the gospel of Matthew. He uses it about 15 times. And uh, his gospel is saturated with references from the Old Testament that are, are noted and connected to prove the point that Jesus Christ has fulfilled 
those Old Testament prophecies concerning God's promised Savior, God's promised Messiah. And there were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled by Jesus. Now, because Jesus fulfilled these Old Testament prophecies, it proves that the Old Testament is the Word of God, because only God could describe the future in such minute detail as He did. So we know that the Scriptures are the Word of God for that reason, and we know that Jesus is the Savior because He fulfills the Word of God. And because of that, we know that He was who He claimed to be, and He accomplished what He claimed to accomplish, and we can trust Him with our lives. He came to be our Savior. He came to bring us to the point where we could have a relationship with God as our Father. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, the first 17 verses we studied last week, and they present Jesus' ancestry. And the point of this is that Matthew wanted to to show us that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, through whom God had made the promise he would bless the nations of the world. And he was also a descendant through the line of King David. And so as such, then he also fulfilled uh, the prophecies concerning King David. And uh, a son of King David, a descendant of King David, would establish an eternal kingdom. And so this ancestry uh, was carefully preserved as one of the many proofs that Matthew gives us to show that Jesus is the true Savior of God. In fact, this lineage is important because in 70 AD, the Romans invaded uh, Jerusalem and destroyed all of the ancestral records. So if anyone comes on the scene today and claims they are the Christ, they cannot prove that they have descended through the proper lineage. Now, concerning this birth, Matthew wrote, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, we're going to talk about that in a moment, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now, for any of us who've been Christians for more than a year or two, we probably heard this passage numerous times because it's often recited at Christmas time. And I'll tell you, there's a danger And the danger is this. Sometimes when we come across a familiar passage, at a subconscious level, we can turn off thinking, and we can turn off listening, and we can let our minds drift someplace else, like the Christmas shopping list or whatever. So I'd like to encourage you in the next 20 or 30 minutes to to make an intentional decision. I'm going to listen, and I want to hear what treasures Matthew has for us in these few brief words. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
In chapter 1, both verses 16 and 18, Matthew makes sure to clarify that Christ's birth was different from any other that are named in the genealogy. Remember when we went through the genealogy last week? So-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, etc. The begats are, are, are numerous. But when it gets to the relationship between Joseph and Jesus, there is no begat. He says, Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. It doesn't say Joseph begat Jesus. Jesus was born of an earthly mother without the need of an earthly father. And this doctrine in the church is called the doctrine of the virgin birth. The doctrine of the virgin birth. Now I mentioned the word betrothed. And uh, Joseph and Mary were pledged to each other in this period of, it's oftentimes called betrothal. In some of your translations it says engagement. But it is a, a relationship that is far more significant than, uh, than found in many current cultures. To the Jewish people of the day, betrothal or engagement was the equivalent of marriage, except that the man and the woman did not live together. Now, there were several steps or phases in this process of betrothal and marriage. The first, of course, was the choosing of a spouse. Now, there are a number of examples from Scripture where the child made their preferences known to mom and dad, but it was the parents who chose who their child was going to marry. And there were negotiations between the parents, and usually children were pledged to marry to each other when they were around 12 or 13 years old. And they were oftentimes married by the time they were 16, 17, or 18 years old. Now that idea might seem foreign to us Americans, because I think the average age now for marriage is around 27 to 30 years old, or something like that. But that was the way it was done. And once this betrothal was entered into, it was absolutely binding. It lasted for about one year. And it was during that time, the couple was known as man and wife, even though they didn't have the rights of a man and wife. The only way this betrothal could be terminated was by divorce or death. In fact, there was a phrase that is found in the ancient historical documents. It's rather curious. The phrase is a virgin who is a widow. Now, logically, if she's a widow, that means she was married and therefore not a virgin. So who is a virgin who is a widow? And what it's describing is these young ladies who were betrothed, but in that betrothal period, their husband-to-be passed away. They were a virgin uh, who was a a widow. It was in this stage that is described by Matthew. Now, unfaithfulness in this stage was considered adultery, And the penalty was death by stoning, although by New Testament times that was rare for a number of reasons. Matthew here specifies very clearly the events that described took place before they came together, which is a euphemism for uh, sexual relations. Now, by the time that these events occurred, as described in Matthew's gospel, Mary is approximately four months pregnant, give or take. She'd been visited by the angel Gabriel. She'd gone to visit her relative uh, Elizabeth. She now returns to Nazareth, but she's found to be pregnant. Now that doesn't, that word found doesn't imply that she was trying to conceal anything, but what it's telling us is that now this is known to some, including Joseph. Verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just or righteous man, 
and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We know that God was very particular about who he chose to be the mother of Jesus, that Mary was an absolutely exceptional woman in the history of the world. And we also know that the man that he chose to be the father of Jesus was also a man of exceptional character. A young man that was hot-headed would probably have had her stoned to death or made a public example, but Joseph was not that kind of man. He was a gentleman. He was a gentle man. He was a gentle person. He did not want to hurt Mary in any way, though at this point he feels that she's been unfaithful to him. So evidently Mary had not explained uh, the visit from the angel to Joseph and The angel's words in verse 20 indicate that Joseph did not know that Mary's pregnancy was uh, because of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And Pastor Leighton Sheely is our teacher. He'll pick up right there at this point in the first chapter of the book of Matthew tomorrow when we come back at this same time. More information about Church of the Highlands is on their website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us today. Come back when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of Matthew and study verse by verse.